The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown to zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Nash. On this episode, we're speaking all about cosmetics with Melody Reynolds. She is the founder and CEO of Elate Cosmetics, and she's out in Victoria, British Columbia, on the beautiful west coast of Canada. She's running a sustainable and ethical makeup company, so we're going to learn all about the products she uses and the packaging and why she has taken on this entrepreneurial journey to start a sustainable cosmetics company. So glad to have you on the show today, Melody. Hi, yeah, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So, Melody, uh, we've had a request from one of our listeners for an episode on cosmetics, and I think that this is going to be just such a wonderful episode. So when did you start Elate? Well, we launched in November of 2014, but I have been, you know, sowing the seeds of Elate for a number of years. So we're turning four this November. That's awesome. Well, almost mm-hmm. happy birthday in November. Yeah. That's really cool. And, <laughs> Thank you. And I imagine that you must love makeup a lot to start this big business and be doing so well at it. So what was it about makeup that you love? Well, that's a great question. I was actually a makeup artist for over 20 years, and it wasn't necessarily my love of makeup that made me want to start my own business. It was really my love of people and the planet. Um, And I know that that probably sounds strange, (laughs) but, you know, makeup for me has always been the secondary thing that I feel is my purpose. When I was doing makeup, you know, whether I was working with a client on a regular basis, whether it was someone's wedding day or whether it was an editorial shoot, the artistry that I was using was actually secondary to the experience that we were having being all together and talking about confidence and beauty and, you know, the way that the media can portray that beauty is only one-sided, right? That it's, it's not a multifaceted thing. And so that really stuck with me as I was, you know, going through my career and, and doing lots of different things within the beauty industry. And so when I was inspired to start my own company, it was not only because I saw that there needed to be more sustainable and low-waste solutions for makeup brands on the market, because that was a really big part of it. But it was also the fact that I feel like, you know, we're in a time when beauty brands have a responsibility to teach people not only about one specific marketed type of beauty, that all things can be beautiful and that makeup isn't about making you beautiful because you already are. It's about adornment and about having fun and being playful and being able to choose what you put on yourself to express yourself. Does that make sense? That's the coolest explanation of makeup I've ever heard. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, I mean the yeah, the the artistry is is just it's so beautiful, right? It's to me it's like watching an artist paint a painting. You know, you you see the the work of art afterwards and it's a beautiful transformation from blank canvas to, you know, whatever it is at the end. But what's even more almost ethereal to me is watching the artist as they are painting and the transformation that they themselves, you know, have happened to them because they're pouring their heart out onto this canvas. 
So it's not just the end result, you know, and that's actually a big thing for us at Elate is that beauty isn't about the end result. It's, it's about the ritual. It's about the, the thing that you do to get to the end. And in fact, that's our tagline that, you know, putting on mascara isn't going to change the world, but it may change your perception of yourself just a little so that you can. So that's the whole point is that, you know, we, we don't encourage people to put on makeup because they want to look beautiful. The end result isn't what matters the most. What matters the most is that you've taken time for that self-care ritual. And, and for some people like yourself, yeah, it's a little bit of mascara. It's maybe a little bit of concealer. And for me too, I'm, I'm a mascara and lipstick girl. That's pretty much all I wear all the time. But what's lovely is that you can take that everyday ritual. And if you really want to create some artistry, then you can do that too. You know, it's such a, a vast uh, tool in terms of how we can express ourselves. And I think that that's the really important thing is that everyone expresses themselves in a different way. And we should all be allowed and encouraged to do that. Absolutely. That's amazing. I mean, it's different with clothing. We can put clothing on ourselves, but when we're putting makeup on ourselves, it's it's going right on our skin, which we can obviously absorb. And when I was in Chile in high school, I bought some sparkles for my eyelids. And I remember like dipping my finger in the little container of these sparkles and putting them on my eyelids and it just burning. <laughs> so... Oh, no. I'm not sure what it what it was. It was at like a really, you know, like a cheap uh, market kind of stand. Yeah. And I Sparkles think that... are often like heavy metal. It's actually like little tiny flakes of metal. So whatever it was, you probably were allergic to the metal. Could have been nickel or something like that, right? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. sure if, if it was like the gluey gel or like oh, what that it was. Oh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've heard um, that glitter can be plastic too. So people are kind it of... It can be. Yeah. So it's kind of a problem. Are you aware of some of the other dangerous chemicals that kind of typically go into mass-produced cosmetics that you're staying away from? Yeah, absolutely. So we actually adhere to the EU standard of cosmetic production, uh, which bans over 3,800 chemicals, I believe. And that's the thing, like chemicals is such a buzzword because, you know, many things are chemicals, right? (laughs) So it's not specifically a word that we talk about, but, but we want to adhere to the highest quality and safety standards that we possibly can. That means that if it's on that list, then we don't use it. Is the EU the highest standards out there? Because I think they're it higher is. than Canada, right? Absolutely, yes. So the Canada is, is slightly higher than the US, um, and the EU is, is higher than Canada. So we figured if, if we were to stick to the highest level of safety, then that's what we would stick to. So That's awesome. In addition to, you know, having cosmetics be part of your everyday ritual and having them be sustainable so they're not hurting the planet, I also wanted to make sure that, you know, everyone, no matter what their philosophy on life was, could use the product and and feel that they were using something that is safe and effective and isn't going to compromise the ethics that they have in their life. So it's safer just to use, you know, the safest qualifications and then, you know, be safe for everyone. Mm -hmm. Do you know of any examples of something that has been found in in makeup previously that, you know, there's been a call to remove this certain thing? Yeah, I mean, there, there's been a lot of those things over the years. And, and this is such an interesting thing because we as a society, you know, we're still learning. There are still things that we are using today that, that in probably five years we'll discover are dangerous, you know, and that we shouldn't be using them. Mm-hmm. So really what's important is to just stay on top of the research and stay on top of what's coming out. You know, it, it's really important that we do ingredient audits every six months to make sure that the products that we are creating and the ingredients that we're using to create them 
are still on that safety scale, right? Because there are even things that aren't on the banned substances list that can still be a little bit iffy, right? So perhaps a new study has come out that says a certain natural preservative is potentially dangerous. Well, then instead of waiting for that research to be verified, we'll already start to look for alternatives. You know, the the biggest one I think that most people will resonate with is is lead, of course, you know, lead in lipsticks. And again, here's when we go back to that, you know, the the words, right, chemicals and things like that. Lead is a a naturally occurring element. Mm -hmm. So in any other context, you could use it as an ingredient and say it's natural because it is naturally occurring in the earth. That's one of the things that we're always striving with at Elate is to make sure that our language is very clear and transparent because chemical and toxic and those types of things. They're very buzzy right now, and they can have lots of different meanings to lots of different people. So Mm -hmm. we try and just make sure that we're as clear as we can possibly be. So, you know, a a number of years ago when when a bunch of different lipstick companies were tested and were found to have lead in their lipstick, there was such a huge outcry because obviously lead is poisonous. And, you know, you put it on your lips and you're ingesting it. Well, that can't be good. And I think that what's so interesting is that there are still companies on the market today that are continuing to put lead in their lipsticks. And, you know, and it's just a matter of, of consumers being conscientious about what they're buying and caring enough to not purchase from those brands anymore. It's the same thing with, with animal testing. It's all about voting with your dollars. So it's important to make sure that, that if there are companies that have not been doing something that's within your ethical purview, then it's important not to purchase them. So then the more people that don't buy them, they'll recognize, oh, hey, people don't like it when we put this in our lipstick. Um, or, hey, people don't necessarily want us to test on animals. So then it forces larger companies to change as well because they see drops in sales. Absolutely. We see the same thing with plastic packaging all the time. Like when you go to the grocery store, buy the tomatoes, not in packaging. (laughs) And then hopefully the grocery store will get it that, you know, we want tomatoes that aren't in plastic. And uh, we hope that that would help. I feel like it's just wrong that companies would make something like that. And wouldn't we be in a perfect world if every company was run by someone like you who tests every six months and who audits their products and who says, okay, Mm -hmm. this product might not be safe, so let's not use it. Because a lot of companies are putting things in their food, um, particularly, that are kind of questionably safe. And it would just be Mm -hmm. so nice to to be like, okay, we're going to pull this and just wait, you know, until there's another study that says it's safe instead of waiting until you get a study that says, okay, this is like really bad. You know, smaller independent companies like myself, you know, not only is it important to run our own companies ethically and within the boundary of the core values of our company and, you know, what our core purpose is, but it's really important to do that because it's not only good for our customers, not only good for our company, but it's also something that makes larger companies have to change their practices. Right. So if if we come on the market and we're really small, you know, we're a small Canadian company. We're so pleased with the community that we've grown. And, you know, we love our our customers and our wholesale partners all around the world are so supportive of what we're doing. And and that's what we love. But what's even more important is that, you know, that small segment of the population that has switched from, you know, using a traditional big box beauty brand to over to Elite or over to any other beauty company you know, we're taking sales away from them. And that makes them wonder what's going on, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that that's such a powerful thing is that because we are doing things in a slightly different way, it forces larger companies to look at their own practices. I can be ethical and sustainable and, and you know, reducing waste and, and spreading this 
you know, non-fear and shame-based message of, of what beauty should be, then larger companies are going to have to start doing that as well when there's enough of us small companies doing it. And I think that's just what's so powerful. It's really, you don't often get to see, you know, the effect of what you are doing on the larger scale, uh, but you really do when you see, oh, this larger company has noticed what we're doing. And it looks like they're going to have to change some of their practices, too. And that's better for everyone. Mm-hmm. That's very, very cool. You have a very good philosophy. I like it. I <laughs> I do want to go back to some of the, the different things, like the ingredients, basically. So yeah. we had a fashion designer from L.A. on here talking about her clothing line and that she was using dyes for fabrics mm-hmm. that people have been using for like the last 5,000 years. And mm-hmm. then in the last 100 years, we started using petroleum-based dyes. Is this the yeah. same in cosmetics? Absolutely. Yeah. So there are many different levels of dyes used in cosmetics. Some are like heavy metal-based. Some are petroleum-based. Um, we use mica as a colorant and mica is when I'm sure you've heard the term mineral makeup before. No, I don't think so. Oh, you haven't. Okay. So, So, um, so mineral makeup is, is probably about maybe starting 20 years ago, maybe even 30. I don't think it was that far back though. There started to be a difference, a differentiation between traditional makeup, which was dye based and generally petrochemical by dye based. And then mineral makeup. And mineral makeup is really what you're seeing on the market today. There are still a few companies that use nothing but dyes in their product. So essentially the, you know, the eyeshadow that you're getting or the lipstick that you're getting is, you know, mineral oil based. So we we went from um, you know, a, a traditional cosmetic when when makeup became mass produced, when they were using talc and heavy metals and then petroleum-based dyes mm-hmm. um, to now um, most makeup companies, not all, there are still some that, that will use those, those things as bases and colorants, but now specifically most makeup brands use mineral bases. So we're using calcium bicarbonate, for instance, instead of talc um, as a base. We're using titanium dioxide um, as a base and then mica colorants. So mica is basically like a crushed up rock, essentially. So mm. that as a base instead of all of the other things okay. underneath. And then we also use a substance called microzest, which is a plant-based, um, it's plants, fruits, vegetables. There's a number of different varieties. We use that alongside of mica as a colorant. Um, and then we do use some synthetic dyes that are in some of our lipsticks, but we use non-petrochemical-based dyes. So there are lots of choices now in terms of colorants. So we don't need to use any of those things that we used before. Unfortunately, there are still companies that choose to use them because it's cheaper. So Mm -hmm. that can be a problem. Like any time that you're seeing cosmetics that are sold, say, at like a dollar store, or this is one of the things that really drives me crazy because I'm, you know, I'm a parent myself, but children's makeup, like play makeup that you would buy for, you know, a six-year-old or a seven-year-old. And also Halloween makeup. These these are the worst offenders for using ingredients like talc and petrochemical-based dyes. So it's really hard to sort of move away from that because it is a little bit more expensive to use, you know, good quality bases as opposed to fillers and and good quality pigments as opposed to just really cheap dyes. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, as a small company who's making those little steps, we're the ones that together are going to force the other companies to change as well. So is that like face paint for kids too? 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know what? I've always thought that because uh, my kid's seven now and I've always sort of mm. stayed away from that stuff. And I never really knew if that was true. It's just this hunch that I had that maybe those colors don't have very good stuff in them for his skin. And then I kind of wondered about those tattoos as well. Like, you know, those stick on uh, the stick on tattoos. Oh, temporary tattoos. Yeah, I, I can't speak to those. Yeah, I don't know I what they are to... either. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's, it's something that we tend to stay away from. But yeah, it's interesting. You don't really think of these things. Sometimes, yeah, and so. it's true. And I mean, there are so many things to think about, right? And and to worry about and to wonder about. And I think that my goal as the CEO of Elite is to, is to create products that no one ever has to think twice about purchasing. You know, and and that is the goal that I think that we all should have um, as a society and and in all the different industries that that we no longer need um, to be reading labels because everything that we're purchasing is just automatically safe and automatically healthy and automatically sustainable and better for the world. Um, nice? I don't know how to get there, but we're going to work on it. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard to regulate. This stuff keeps me up at night thinking about it. Like, how can we make sure that companies are doing the right thing, like the right ethical yeah. thing? It's a very tough question, but we are working on it. And I love that you're working on it, too, from your side. It's really great. Yeah, you know, we have different champions here in our office. And, and my VP of sales, her name is Jessica um, her champion cause is to change the Canadian legislation so we have the same standards as the EU. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I know that in the U.S. as well, there's a number of people and a number of, of companies that are doing the same thing there, you know, trying to change the regulations so that way we're all on the same page. So you're saying that you use a lot of like mineral-based ingredients and then mm-hmm. also you mentioned like some kind of plant um, ingredients as well is there anything else that you use that's uh, that's kind of all natural and I don't know if this is a buzzword because I remember you're you're talking about the difference between like <laughs> yeah. chemicals and, and anything but maybe just things that are like really healthy for our skin. Yeah absolutely um, we use jojoba oil um, which is one of my favorite substances on the planet it's one of the closest natural oils to the sebum that we produce in our skin so it's one of those ingredients that when you put it on your skin, it's instantly recognizable. So your skin cells are like, oh, I know what this is. And it's able to actually help balance um, oil production in the skin. What um, is it you called? Know, uh, jojoba oil. It's spelled jojoba. So you may have seen it mm-hmm. and not, yeah, but you pronounce it jojoba. Um, cool. And it's, it's just a lovely oil. Um, I personally use it as a, a skincare oil as well. Like it's, it's all that I put on my face for skincare. I suffered from adult acne for probably like my entire 20s, the entire decade of my 20s, mainly because I couldn't figure out what I was putting on my skin that was causing the problem. And that was part of my journey to change everything over to completely clean products. I also, you know, had to change my diet and things like that because skincare is, you know, it does start from within. But one of the things that I noticed is a lot of the cosmetic products that I would use would be you know, quote unquote, oil free. And in a lot of those skincare and cosmetic products, they replace the oil with silicone. Mm-hmm. So silicone, unfortunately, just it's basically like putting, you know, an airtight mask on your face, skin can't respirate, it can't turn your cells over. And in actual fact, you, you cause more problems. And so when I sort of started doing research, and discovered, you know, all of these different beautiful oils that are completely natural that come out of plants, and that are safe for the skin, because there are some natural plant oils that are not good for the skin. But, um, you know, the ones that are, we, we use those in our foundation products, because then, you know, you get a little bit of care along with the cosmetic. And I think that that's something that's really important. 
you know, everything that we put on our skin should have a purpose. Um, and so, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, a tinted moisturizer or a concealer, it has a little bit of that skincare element to it. My other favorite thing that we use is uh, shea butter. And shea butter is just so wonderfully rich and moisturizing, and it's such a great product. So we use shea butter and also mango seed butter in our lipsticks. So then not only are you getting a bit of color, but you get a really nice moisturizing effect as well. Wow, that's very, very cool. Have you yeah. ever heard of argan oil? I have. In fact, uh, we, do, we don't use argan oil, but we use argan micro zest as a pigment in oh, cool. um, our foundation products and all of our pressed powders as well. Oh, that's very cool. I just found out yeah. that it is good for wrinkles and I'm 34 and uh, I'm not worrying too much about it yet, but yeah. <laughs> starting to think that that might be a natural product that will help out with that. And then I use a uh, rosehip oil as well um, uh-huh. that I find helps a little bit. But yeah, I do like the oils rather than just a complex thing with like 50 ingredients in it because I don't know what they all are, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And yeah, rosehip oil is spectacular. That's good on you. Keep using that. <laughs> what is it good for? Because I use it actually for acne. I find it helps. Yeah, it does. It's, it's one of those oils. It's got very high concentrations of antioxidants in it. So it's, it's one of those oils that's actually good for all skin types, but specifically it can help with acne, but it does also help with wrinkles just in terms of making sure that your skin is able to fight free radicals. Very um, cool. Because essentially oxidization is just free radical damage is caused by oxidization and really, it's like your skin cells essentially setting themselves on fire. Like, that's the most amazing analogy that I can think of, just because that's what oxidization is. Um, and so anything that has those antioxidants in it will will help stop that from happening. Yeah, it seems like you know so much about this, which is just so great. And um, uh, I love, love, love talking about skincare and skincare ingredients. It's just so fascinating and important to me. And what I love and what I discovered um, on my own sort of skincare journey is that the simplest products are always the best and the most effective. Yes. Um, we say so that about why, yeah. food. That we're saying that yeah. about food so much. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's true. It doesn't need to be processed. It doesn't need to have, you know, 20 different things. It can just be, you know, rosehip oil and maybe throw a little bit of, uh, you know, a lavender essential oil in there if you want, and that will help it penetrate deeper and also reduce redness. You know, like there's so many little concoctions that you can create um, on your own. And that's really how I started. I just, I love making things and I just started making stuff in my own kitchen and then away we go, right? That's amazing. So let's talk about packaging a little bit because I believe you have some sustainable packaging. I do. (laughs) I had an experience a number of years ago and I went out and I bought a new lipstick and it was sort of like you know, this new collection was coming up for spring from this brand that I really loved. And it was a little bit more expensive than I normally would have spent on myself because it wasn't for my makeup kit. It was just for me. But I went out and I bought it and I got home and I took it out of the plastic bag and then I unwrapped the plastic because there was plastic around the tube. And then the tube was in a box, but not a recyclable box. It was like that type of cardboard that has a plastic overlay. So it's shiny. And then inside, the the actual tube of lipstick was also covered in plastic. Mm -hmm. So I took that off, and then I opened up the lipstick, and I actually went to put it on, and then I looked down into, like, my bathroom sink where I had been, you know, feverishly unwrapping this lipstick because I was excited. And I'm sorry, I actually still get a bit emotional about it when I think about it. I looked down, and I had created a huge pile of garbage, Mm -hmm. right, from 
all of that plastic and all of that packaging. And, and I did. I started to cry because I realized that in my journey to use clean products and, and to eat well and to, you know, live a very sort of toxin, you know, quote unquote, toxin free life, because that was the verbiage that I was using back then. I had forgotten all about like packaging and garbage. I, I wasn't thinking about it. I was thinking about my food and my diet and, and my clothing and reducing waste in those ways. But I wasn't thinking about the items that I purchased to support that journey and the garbage that those things created. And so that moment was a pivotal moment for me in recognizing that the things that I buy create garbage. And I didn't like that feeling at all. Because not only did I create a bunch of garbage when I purchased the product, but after I was finished with the product, which to be honest, I probably wouldn't even use the whole thing, right? Because I was a bit of a lipstick junkie. So I'd have 20 other shades <laughs> that I still hadn't gone through. And then it itself was garbage as well. Because mm-hmm. you can't, you know, you couldn't recycle the plastic tube at that time. And so that moment, you know, I hold that very dear in my heart because it was, again, one of the seeds that planted the idea of elate in my mind. And so when I was designing the products and I realized, oh, I'm going to have to put these in packages, I knew very clearly that I wanted it to be very simple packaging and I wanted it to be as sustainable as it could possibly be. So I looked at lots of different options and bamboo became the clear front runner because it's a sustainable thing. You know, it grows like a weed Um, It's very easy to process. We use a water process um, with the bamboo as well. There's two different types of bamboo processing. There's water processing or chemical processing. So bamboo that's been chemically processed can't be put in the compost. When it biodegrades, it actually releases those chemicals again. So it's not as good um, Mm -hmm. as a water processed bamboo because then that means that all of our packaging that has bamboo on it, the bamboo itself will just biodegrade. And so that was the number one thing for me is that that sustainability piece means that I'm creating this package that is actually sustainable. But then it also came to the idea of outer packaging, right? So you have your lipstick or your eyeshadow or whatever it is, and then you put it in a box. Well, I always thought that that was like a legislated thing, that that was, you know, the government mandating that the packaging had to be this certain way. That's actually not true. It doesn't have to be in an extra box. It can just be on its own. And once I realized that, I was like, oh, so the only reason that companies put their products in bigger boxes is just for marketing. It's just so they have that shelf space on whatever store they're going to be in, right? So then when you walk into, I don't know, this is super Canadian, but if you walk into Shoppers Drug Mart, because that's where you buy your makeup, right? (laughs) Or even like Sephora or a place like that, um, or at the grocery store, you know, wherever it is that you purchase your cosmetics, everything will be in a box because they want you to see it first. They want it to be the shiniest thing that you grab, right? And so for me, I recognized that I wasn't going to be selling in any of those places. And so I don't need the box. And also, even if I was going to sell in those places, I don't want the box. Because if you've only purchased the products because of the box, then, you know, that's not the customer that we're looking for either, right? So I think that that was a huge piece for me too, recognizing that the lipstick that I sell, I don't have to put anything extra on it. So the only other thing that goes on it is a paper label. And our labels are all paper with an eco resin as an adhesive and vegetable ink. So they're also compostable, um, depending on where you are, of course, because some cities have different things. At the very least, you can put them into your recycling bin with your other paper. And so that was such an important piece for me. And then the final step was recognizing that things like eyeshadows and powders 
and blushes, all those things come in plastic compacts, right? So yes. if, you know, many of your listeners or even yourself, if you go to your, your makeup bag right now, you may have, you know, an eyeshadow that you bought five years ago because I'm guilty of this, right? I, I have eyeshadows that I buy and then I never use them. And it probably came in like a little plastic compact with a little plastic applicator. Um, and same thing at the end of its life, if you ever use it up, um, it's garbage. And so that was the big thing for me that I recognized was all of our pressed powders are in um, aluminum pans. And aluminum is one of the most highly recyclable materials on the planet. Mm -hmm. If you ever buy anything that's aluminum, feel really good about it because in most places, it's super easy to recycle. Um, And it also takes less energy to recycle than it does to make it. That's a really key point because when we're talking about um, sustainability and recyclability and reducing waste, what we do have to remember is that recycling isn't always the best choice because Certain things, glass, for instance, it takes just as much, if not more, energy to recycle a glass bottle as it does to make it in the first place. So glass is one of those things that it's way better to reuse it as opposed to trying to recycle it. Mm -hmm. Um, So when it comes to aluminum, I was like, aluminum pans, that's great. I know that those are going to be highly recyclable for our partners. But then instead of putting it into a plastic casing, we put them in the bamboo casing, but you reuse the bamboo casing. So instead of that um, being a wasteful product as well, because even even something that's biodegradable, I don't want to see it go to waste, right? I don't want it to be a single-use item. It's an item that you use over and over again. So we have what we've sort of coined as our capsule beauty system. So you buy the individual pieces, and then they fit into the different bamboo containers. Everything that's pressed also comes when you buy the refill size, uh, which comes without the bamboo because you already have your bamboo, right? Uh, it comes in seed paper. And this is an idea that I'm really proud of. And to be quite honest, I remember the moment that I had the idea. It was I had been invited to a wedding, and the, the wedding invitation had come on this seed paper. And um, the seed paper said, like, you know, when you're done with the invitation, plant this, and it will grow wildflowers. And I was just struck by, that's amazing. You know, why, why, are, why is there no companies using this, this seed paper? That's such a great idea. So I partnered with a, a seed paper company here in Canada, and they make our envelopes for us. So then when you do get your refill that you're going to pop into your bamboo compact, the seed paper is uh, you plant it and it grows um, either herbs or wildflowers, depending on the product. And that's a concept called cradle to cradle. And it's something that I'm really excited about because even if we're reusing and recycling, you know, and reducing waste, those are really all the things that we can try and do. But a cradle to cradle concept means that not only have you um, taken something that is recycled or reused, so the paper that the seeds is in is, is all recycled paper, but then when you plant it at the end of its life, it's putting that energy back into the earth. So it's actually like a full and complete circle um, as opposed to, you know, cradle to grave, essentially, which is what happens when things end up in the landfill or, you know, cradle to grave to cradle, which is things that are recycled but take that extra energy. So the idea that the seed paper um, is plantable is just, it makes me feel so good to know that we have that. Um, And if you don't have a green thumb, you can obviously put it in your compost, but it's always nice when we get pictures and emails from people that have planted whole little gardens with their seed paper. And that makes me really happy. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen those in business cards too. It's a really great idea. Yeah, it is. Have the paper have a use after it's, you know, intended purposes is done. Yeah. Um, And that use is to either grow you food or grow flowers for bees. Do you have a shout out to the company in Canada that makes those in case people are interested? I do. Yeah. It's botanical paperwork. 
Cool. And they are based in Winnipeg, I believe. Oh, nice. Yeah. Very awesome. Are you working on anything new? Oh, always. <laughs> we actually have uh, our fall collection coming out in September, and we have a couple of new lipstick shades that we're really excited about, as well as for holiday season this year, we are working on a primer. So a primer is one of those things that if you're not a makeup artist, you maybe have never used one before. But what a primer is intended for in the makeup world is to smooth out the skin, you know, even the complexion, minimize pores, and really make like a solid canvas surface to then put your foundation on. What I like to use primer for, and yeah, that's what I would have used primer for as a makeup artist, but as just a regular woman who wears makeup on a daily basis, what I love about the idea of a primer is as opposed to being your first step to your makeup, it's actually like your last step of your skincare. So the primer that we're creating has all kinds of fantastic antioxidants, hyaluronic acid to um, help you hold water in your skin, so that's for hydration. And this is going to be sort of like the last serum that you would put on before you would continue with your cosmetic routine. But it also helps to hold the foundation on if you are going to wear foundation um, and just make the product, you know, make our makeup last a little bit longer. And so I'm really excited about that. And that'll be launching in probably November of this year. Awesome. That's very, very cool. Melody, it's just been very eye-opening and it's been so incredible talking to you about all of this stuff. You definitely know your cosmetics and I love that you are taking care of the people who buy your products. You're taking care of our skin and you're taking care of the planet at the same time. So thank you. That's amazing. Thank you, Laura. And I, I, you know, I have such a high level of admiration and appreciation for people that are attempting to live a zero-waste lifestyle or, you know, minimize the amount of waste because, I think that that is something that is so important for us to do as a society is, is recognize that the things that we buy, when we're done with them, you know, the world isn't done with them, unfortunately. They're going to be yes. around a lot longer than we are. And I think that my mission is, yeah, my purpose in life is, is to care for people and to help those people care for the planet. And that's really what we're looking to do. So thank you for your work as well. Oh, thank you so much. And if we <laughs> want to buy cosmetics, how do we do that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you can go to elatecosmetics.ca. We have 130, oh, I think actually more, maybe 140 partners worldwide. If you go on our website and we do have a store locator and you can check and see where the store closest to you is located. We have a number of storefronts that are, are all across Canada. And uh, yeah, and if you do have someone close to you, it's always nice to go in and see the collection in person. And our partners are very carefully vetted by our team here at head office. And so they're all incredibly beautiful, caring people, you know, in salons, spas, and boutiques that all have similar values to relate. So they're all about making the world a better place one lipstick at a time. So I encourage you, if you find on the store locator that you have um, a retailer near you to, to pop in and say hi, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you, Melody, and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Laura. Have an awesome day. That was Melody Reynolds from Victoria. She's the CEO of Elate Cosmetics, and she's given us a coupon code. So if you're interested in purchasing any of her products from elatecosmetics.ca, you can go to their website and use the one-time, one-per-customer discount code. It's Zero Waste Countdown with no spaces to save 10%. This week on my countdown to zero waste, when I was coming into the studio, I saved a squirrel from a plastic cup. It was one of those big smoothie cups. 
It had a big round circle on the lid. So it was like a bubbled up lid with a big hole. And then it had a straw in it. And there was a squirrel stuck right in the cup and it couldn't get out. So when it it goes in and then it starts to back out, the plastic like sticks to it and it couldn't back out. So it was hyperventilating and it looked to me like it was almost going to die. So instead of taking a photo, which I should have, I put my bag down and took the cup apart to try and and help it get out. But as soon as I pulled the cup apart, the squirrel ran to the nearest tree, ran up it. The circle thing was still stuck around its neck. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've made this situation like just as bad. And then the ring fell off. (laughs) So so I saved a squirrel. I didn't get a picture, which was so stupid. But that uh, that was what I did for my countdown to zero waste this week. I saved a squirrel from a plastic cup. Watch out for those and don't use them. If you like our show, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Zero Waste Countdown. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. If you have any questions or ideas for the show, you can email me, laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.